0: Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of the Blatant Homers and podcast, part of Crimson and Cream Machine and the SB Nation podcast network. Make sure to give us a follow uh, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you'd like to uh, get your podcasts. Big Twelve Media Days wrapped up uh, earlier this week, so I've asked George Schroeder of USA today to uh, join us to wrap up, uh, you know, all the events and. Talk a little bit about uh, some of his uh, most important kind of takeaways. So let's go ahead and welcome on George Schroeder. All right, let's welcome on uh, George Schroeder of USA Today and also SiriusXM. George, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, thank you. So, uh, just finished up a couple days there in uh, Dallas, or I guess, pardon me, to be fair, Arlington, uh, so I don't get in trouble with anybody, uh, talking with all the uh, new representatives from Big 12 teams for Big 12 Media Days. I guess, um, did anything stick out to you, or did you have any kind of, like, major takeaways just right off the bat from what you heard?
1: Uh, I think overall, the vibe was really confident, which I thought was interesting, not you know, and, and I say that, and these media days that are going on everywhere uh, always sort of are airbrushed and polish about how great that particular conference is. And the Big 12 is no exception to that. And so there was a fair amount of, you know, let's put our best foot forward by, you know, using this statistic or that messaging point. All that happens everywhere. It just felt like, as they touted sort of all the reasons why this league is in a really good place right now, that it actually is in a really good place right now. And that's by contrast to, you know, two or three or four years ago when you kind of thought the, you know, the league was psychologically disadvantaged, quote unquote. And they were thinking about whether or not they're going to break apart and all these kinds of things. And then they were thinking about, do we need to expand just to sort of try to keep up with the Joneses? I I, I thought everything from, uh, financial numbers to, um, just sort of the uh, stability of the league's presidents or the alignment, I guess, of the league's presidents together to where things have been on the fields and courts and where they think football could be this year, all sort of scream solidness and, and, and stability. So I, I thought confidence was the big vibe and I thought it was actually legitimate uh, rather than sort of forced and hollow sounding
0: right now did you uh what'd you make though of bob bullsby in that stat about uh, six of seven teams holding you know opponents below you know yard average yards or so i mean at some point he's trying a little too hard isn't he
1: well yeah and i wrote that basically that look uh, I, i'm on board with a lot of things the big 12 says about how hey yeah the defense is you know you know obviously the deal is the deep the big 12 plays no defense well There's some truth to that. There's also some truth to the fact that Big 12 offenses, more than any other league I think currently, routinely stress defenses more in different and more dangerous ways than you get from week to week in any other league. Better quarterbacks. uh, I mean, Matt Wells, the new Texas Tech coach, who will bring his own offense to the league uh, that's pretty dangerous, said basically the combination of quarterback, receiver, and play caller in this league from Saturday to Saturday is unlike anything you face anywhere else, he thinks. And I don't think that's wrong. I think that's right. Um, and, and I think it is shown when you get to the bowl season. By the way, the Big 12 went four and three, so it's not like the overall numbers were terrific, and better than three and four. But, you know, when, when, when your maligned defenses hold six of those seven opponents to less than their offensive, you know, averages for the season – it at least is something that people ought to sit up and take notice about. But in answer to your question, it absolutely is trying too hard. The way that changes is, A, playing a little bit better defense, right? But, mm-hmm. B, it changes if your best teams beat some of those other, other league's best teams when they get into the playoff. And, and so, obviously, that means specifically mm-hmm. Oklahoma, which obviously had a terrible defense by anybody's yeah. measurement last year, has to go win a playoff game and maybe win a national title. And, look, I think, in fairness to Oklahoma, they were this close to winning not just the Rose Bowl in twenty, the 20, after the 2017 season, but I think the national title was right there to be had, too, had they won that game. And their defense was not quite as bad in 2017 as it was in 2018. But if you win one of those, then people start talking about how the offenses are so hard to handle that and they stop talking as much about how – Big 12 defenses are terrible, because by extension, the whole Big 12 defense is a terrible thing is also a way that they say, yeah, those offenses wouldn't be nearly as good if they were in some other league, which, you know, there's some truth to all of this. I just think it's all out of balance, and it's all narrative in college football, and the way you combat that is, uh, instead of having all these great stats, you go win the games that matter.
0: Right. I mean, you need the actual results. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, one of the big stories uh, four new coaches, a lot of turnover. You know, you got Chris Kleiman at uh, uh, Kansas State, Les Miles at Kansas, Matt Wells at Texas Tech. You mentioned him before. And then also Neil Brown at West Virginia. Uh, from listening to those four guys, did anything stand out to you? Anybody really make an impression?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I mentioned Matt Wells and I thought it, you know, not just me and I know Matt for a long time. Yeah. So I'm ready to be impressed by him and it doesn't take much. I already know him, but I heard from, from several different colleagues how impressed they were by him. And I thought, you know what, that is really interesting. Um, I, I, you know, I thought that a lot of people didn't know much about him and he came across as sort of the total package head coach. Now, He's got a, you know, he's got a tough gig at, at Texas Tech, and it's one thing to to play good offense. He's going to have to live up to a great offensive standard, but he's also got to find a way to play defense at Texas Tech, which obviously has been a really difficult proposition over the last few years. And the expectations at Tech are, hey, can you get us to where that Mike Leach guy got us to? So I think that's hard, but I think he was really impressive to people uh, in, in during his time. You know. Doing all the interviews at Media Days. And I think he's a pretty good hire. I also think, you know, I think, I think, I thought Neil Brown and Chris Kleiman came off as, as kind of what you thought they would be. And I think those were good hires too. Less miles was less miles. I mean, I don't know what people expected from him, but to me, he resembled uh, what we've seen out of him in the latter years at LSU in terms of how he comes across when he talks with people. And, You know, it's zany, it's odd, it's sometimes indecipherable, and, uh, you know, it's less mild. So, look, I think this is a league overall with a bunch of good coaches, which is really interesting. Uh, I think you're going to see the level of play continue to rise with these guys.
0: Right. You know, one of the interesting things to me is, you know, listening to a lot of the coverage, for example, like on SiriusXM, you know, when they do the one-on-one interviews with the coaches, these things, the the conversations with the Big 12 coaches, to me, just are on kind of a different plane in terms of nuance or, you know, kind of strategy, higher level. Uh, it's not quite as much, you know, rah, rah, rah that you might hear, you know, from, uh, you know, coaches like, say, for example, in the SEC I don't know, am, am I off base with that, or do you, do you think there's something to that?
1: That it's not as rah-rah-rah, I'm sorry? That-
0: yeah, that that the, the conversations get a little bit more, I don't know, they, they feel like they're just a little bit deeper or a little bit more on a kind of uh, more considered when you talk about, you know, football elements of offense or defense, that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, you know, I actually was sitting there thinking as I listened to uh, Matt Campbell, the Iowa State coach on one of those X M interviews that you're talking about. I was listening to a replay of him as I was uh, driving home last night um, and I was actually thinking I didn't think exactly what you just said but I think that makes sense. I was thinking to myself how different it sounds than when the SEC coaches come through, for example, and do the same types of interviews in sort of that Sirius XM stop on mm-hmm. the car wash of media days and I, I I think it's, I don't know exactly why, but I think especially at SEC media days, there's this sort of, um, there's a lot more of a celebrity angle to the coaches and stuff Mm -hmm. than there is even at Big 12 media days. And I think probably that's routinely true in life too with these coaches at the Big 12 level versus the status that's uh, inhabited by these uh, SEC coaches just every day. And so it feels like, I don't know if the questions are a little more are a little deeper. I don't think that's it, but it, it feels like they're a little more willing to just sort of engage on a deeper level. And I don't know if that's fair or not. Maybe that's just, maybe that's the wrong impression on my part, but I did have some sort of a somewhat similar thought. Yeah. I was listening to Matt Campbell last night for a replay of a Matt Campbell interview. So I, I don't really know if that's really right, but it's interesting that you had kind of a similar thought.
0: Yeah, yeah. Matt Campbell's one, Matt Rule, you know, those guys, they just they seem to be kind of talking on a different, just on a different plane. But anyway, um, how about players? Any players that you spoke with that, uh, you know, made an impression?
1: Well, listen, I'm a big fan of Sam Ellinger, the Texas quarterback. I think he's a, first of all, I think he's a better quarterback than people give him credit Mm -hmm. for. And I know what that sounds like. He's the preseason Big 12 uh, player, offensive player of the year, which, you know, is worth the uh, pixels that was printed on. But, I mean, people obviously think something of him. But I think people look at him and they still see him as sort of a try hard, bruising runner type of kid. And they don't really see a guy who has, A, developed into a guy who really takes care of the football and doesn't make. The same bad decisions he made two seasons ago as a freshman, and and also a guy who's gotten who's become a better passer over the last couple of years. I don't mean that he's going to slice and dice you, or put up you know Kyler Murray numbers or Link, or, or uh, Baker Mayfield numbers if he were in that kind of an offense. Uh, but I think he's become a better passer. And so when you sort of put all that together, kind of the total package, with the fact that he's the first Texas quarterback in a long time that you really felt like, okay, this is the guy who is a big-time star and can lead them somewhere where they want to go. Uh, I thought he really sort of handles that role and embraces that role in a really nice way. And he feels when you get to know him just a little bit, it seems confident without being out of balance or cocky. So I I really, it was really kind of fun to kind of watch him, I think, at Big 12 Media Days and just see how he handled – a ton of hype and i thought he did it in a real real good way uh, i also like colin johnson i think the uh, the texas receiver uh just a great listen if you ever get a chance to yeah. talk to him you just and so and look i could go down the list of, you know routinely at these media days coaches bring guys who are going to be um going to make their program look good right and obviously yeah. they have different reasons for bringing guys or not bringing guys but uh look i I was impressed with a lot of different guys, but I, I think those two Texas guys. Just uh, maybe that's because it's kind of the last impression I had from yesterday. I was really impressed with.
0: Yeah, you know, and the the all the kind of the criticisms of Vellinger that you, you mentioned, people talk about, all oh, he's just a fullback. I mean, it kind of it, it doesn't matter what, whether or not you agree. I mean, it's it's brutally effective, and you know, I mean, I think that Tom Herman, it seems like his also just done a very good job of kind of marrying what it is that Texas wants to do with uh, the skills that Ellinger does have
1: yeah he needs to look he needs to be a better deep ball passer and I don't know if he will be or if he can be he needs to be better at that which is also another way of saying can you become more accurate about placing the ball and a lot of times you can't Mm -hmm. accurate is just something you have or you don't have but some of it is some of it is developmental And then some of it is getting better at reading and, and you know, reading and then reacting or even being proactive based on what you're seeing. But but you're right. If he is just what everybody thinks he is or or what the critics think he is, it's pretty darn good. Yeah, He's been a guy who has taken Texas already to places they hadn't been in years and years Uh, in, you know. Look, Sam Ellinger is not the question mark I have about this Texas team. Mm-hmm. You know, can he stay healthy? Yeah, that's a question. Will they, will they have a better offensive line and a better running game so that he doesn't have to do as much of the power running? I think so, but that's a question. But the question I have is, you've got to replace a bunch of defensive starters. Yeah. How's that going to go? I think they're going to be, you know, going to be okay. But, you know, that was a defense-first team last year as they, you know, made strides and now they're going to have to lean more on the offense. But I really don't have questions about him. I have questions about how they're going to be on defense.
0: Right. And speaking of a team with a lot of questions about defense, that's the, there's the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, did you get much of a sense of how, they, how things are progressing there or, or how they feel about things based on what you heard?
1: Well, I mean, they exude confidence, which kind of goes with everybody else, yeah. what everybody else thinks. But I do think this, I think, I think that they have some players on defense. And if you look back at sort of their recruiting over the last few years, I don't know that they have a ton of, defensive, uh, of uh, difference makers on the defensive line. They might have one or two. But it's, it's not like it was in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. I get that. But I do think they've recruited better. It's, there's been an uptick in defensive recruiting over the last two or three years. And I just think that last year, for whatever reason, it just didn't work. And it began to spiral downward. And I think that with the players on campus, even though they need to continue to get better players, with the players on campus, there's every chance that just the change at the top of the defense with Alex Grinch, not even what he brings differently schematically, although I think that will help, and, and the fact that he succeeded as a defensive coach uh, in a system that runs the same kind of offense, you know, when he was at Washington State with Mike Leach, not even that though. Just a change of a uh, change of persona. The, the having a fresh start, a different approach to how you motivate guys. And look, I think Mike Stoops is a really good coach. I think he's often maligned wrongly, but I think just just the fresh start with a different guy trying it will be a help to them. So I think they'll be better defensively this year, this season. Now, obviously, that's not saying a lot. They were yeah help but go up as bad as they were last year but I think there's a chance they could be significantly better defensively this season and what would be interesting in that is if they are and then if the offense is some reasonable facsimile of what we've seen is this suddenly an Oklahoma team that is more fit for the playoff than it's even been before I don't know the answer to that but maybe Mm -hmm. so uh, I guess I'm buying in a little bit on the idea that that long-term, this is going to be a great defensive fit, and that short-term, it could be good, too.
0: How about uh, that quote that was circulating, though, from the recruit about what Alex Grinch said about the talent on the defense? Uh, Do you think that there'll be any issues kind of maybe managing things in the locker room there?
1: I don't think so. Let me ask you a question. You don't think he already told those guys that?
0: Bingo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Talking about the the current defensive backs. and, And by the way, he didn't say there are no future pros there. He basically said there's nobody that's playing at that level. Right. You know, there's nobody that you can just look at and go, oh, that guy's going to play on Sunday. Doesn't mean there won't be some. But to me, uh, first of all, if, if you're a current defensive back and you don't like hearing that, there's a pretty good way to fix it. You yeah. to go out and play better. Bingo. Right? Yeah. So I don't know that that's going to cause problems in the locker room. Uh, and I don't know that it's that much different than what a lot of coaches say. A lot of places we just don't or to recruits. I just don't think we hear it very often. But I think in the, in Oklahoma's case, it's absolutely what he should be telling recruits and selling them on the chance that look, if you come in and work hard, you could be an immediate difference maker. And uh, we want guys like you because we want you to play on Sunday. Now then, that guy. Uh, whoever it is you lure to, to campus has to then do all those things and may or may not become an NFL player, but that's exactly what you got to be doing if you're Alex Grinch. And I don't—I I was not terribly surprised by it.
0: No, I wasn't, quite frankly.
1: And I didn't think it was anything untrue.
0: Yeah, no, I'm—I'm I'm with you. You know, it's kind of uh, one of those deals where you worry about maybe managing egos, but at the same time, you know, the, those guys that aren't getting it done need to hear that. You know, so um, I guess just final thoughts anything uh i guess any team you feel like might be kind of primed to surprise people this season in the big 12
1: well look i think uh i never want to sleep on gary patterson and the horn frogs and they had a down year last year i think if you listen to gary patterson you can see the chip or feel the chip or hear the chip whatever the right imagery mm-hmm. would be there um on his shoulder and you can also tell that he thinks they're fixing to be pretty good. Again. So that's interesting. Uh, in, but I think you could take probably teams four through seven, four through eight, put them in a hat. Yeah. And it's hard and just, and just come up with some order. And, you know, obviously injuries or whatever else will play a big factor in this. But the point is there's a lot of depth and some pretty good teams right there. I don't know what I think this year of K-State. I don't know. What, and, and I don't think much of Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and maybe I'm selling K-State short. Maybe I should just be saying I don't think much of Kansas. But team number three in in the preseason media predictions is the one that it's a little weird to see Iowa State number three in everybody's thoughts. But when you look at what they've got, and by the way, they lose Hakeem Butler. They lose David Montgomery from the offense. They bring back a really nice defense with some really good players. They bring back Brock Purdy, who is a terrific young quarterback. And I think what's interesting is Matt Campbell has built something solid and substantive and, and what seems to be sustainable in Ames, which is not a place where we've seen that. We've seen them sort of have a good year and then fall back for two or three years and then have a good year and fall back for two or three years. And now we're working on two or three years in a row of them being pretty good and sort of building to better. And it, and it really feels different than we felt it, or at least than I can remember seeing at Iowa State and so I don't know that I was really surprised. It's just it's still a little odd to think about them being where they are. But I think that's a team you got to look at and go, they could pop a lot of people and they could play the spoiler for an Oklahoma or a Texas and maybe if not Big 12 title hopes, certainly playoff hopes. And we shouldn't be surprised if somehow Iowa State finds its way into the Big 12 championship game uh, ahead of one of those two teams. Uh, both for, because of you know, maybe what they do, but also because of uh, some of these other teams that could play spoiler too. I, I just look at Iowa State and I'm really impressed.
0: Yeah, I, I like to think of them as they're kind of the new Kansas state, you know, very dependable, very solid team, reliable. They play kind of a not a flashy style, but uh, you know, very sound, very fundamental. So um, Well, George, uh, thanks so much. Anything uh, we should be looking for from you in the coming days?
1: Well, I mean, there'll be more Big 12-related stuff over the next, you know, few weeks here, obviously, whether it's coming out of Big 12 media days or from camp tours and things like that. Uh, and then, you know, I'll be hitting up some other some other media days and working on some things, too. But, no, look, I'm just fascinated to see how this is going to play out, both in Norman and Austin and everywhere else in the, in the Big 12. Obviously, everybody talks about sort of the Big 2 and whether or not they're back. I think that's the The coolest thing for me is if Texas is truly on an upward trajectory like we all think they are, then if you can get the two powers of the league to to be playing really, really well and go at it, and you sort of have two alpha dogs at one time, that is a great place to be as, as a league. And yeah, you might get knocked out of the playoff every so often, but I think it sharpens both of those programs and gives you a better shot to win the whole thing.
0: Right. Yeah. I've said that forever that OU and Texas need each other, you know, kind of be pushing each other to uh, get better. So, well, uh, George, uh, also wanted to mention before you go, really enjoy, you know, all the different platforms you're on on SiriusXM. I listen to uh, that stuff all the time. And uh, always great having you on the weekends, during the week, whatever. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun listening to you. So, uh, really excited well, to have you. For saying that. That. Yeah. 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 For it's sure. Been a,
1: it's been a terrific opportunity. I'm glad to have it. And, you know, so thanks for saying that. I appreciate
0: that. Sure thing, sure thing. All right, well, George, take it easy. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks to uh, George Schroeder of USA Today and SiriusXM for joining us to talk about Big 12 Media Days. And uh, make sure to, like I said, you know, rate, review, subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcast to help other people find uh, find the podcast here. So for the Boynton Homers and podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.